today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Cash and Carry Kitchens. At the heart of Irish homes for over 40 years. Cashandcarrykitchens.ie First, though, as the violence in Gaza continues, the US President Joe Biden's handling of the ongoing crisis could be a critical factor in today's Michigan primaries. Michigan has a significant Arab and Muslim population who, along with younger voters, have been highly critical of the president's inability to rein in Israeli leader Benjamin Netanyahu. In a moment, I'll speak to US correspondent with the Business Post, Marion McKeown. But first, let's listen to President Biden on the campaign trail, asked how soon a season fire might be agreed? Well, I hope by the, the beginning of the weekend. I mean, the end of the weekend. At least my, my, my national security advisor tells me that we're close. We're close. We're not done yet. And my hope is by next Monday we'll have a ceasefire. So, Marion, we heard President Biden there sounding optimistic about a ceasefire. Now, while he was speaking, he was on a visit to an ice cream parlour, so it seemed quite incongruous that he was holding the ice cream, making that very big statement about what might happen in the Middle East. And his handling of the war uh, between Israel and Gaza is under scrutiny, isn't it, in the Michigan primary today? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you're absolutely right, Claire. I found it more than a little, I think in Congress is a good word. You know, he's standing there talking about chocolate chip or whatever with Seth Meyers, a late night comic, and and they sort of casually segue into this. It just seemed strange. Uh, I think that he's under extreme pressure with this primary um, that's going on in Michigan. Uh, the reason now, that there's a whole crazy Republican scenario going on there as well, but we'll get to the, the Biden one first. Uh, in Michigan at the moment, there's a movement to um, to get voters who are voting uh, Democrat to vote uncommitted instead of voting for Joe Biden. Now, this seems to be gaining a lot of traction. We'll see exactly how much it has gained when the, when the primary results come out. So far, Biden and every primary has been getting around 95-96%. Now that is even high for an incumbent but you know it's it's unremarkable you'd expect him to be doing well into the 90s if in Michigan the um, the uncommitted vote eats into the Biden vote then I think that we are going to be looking at that more closely and certainly Biden will be because he has to win Michigan in November. There is no way that Joe Biden can remain president for a second term realistically if he doesn't win Michigan he also has to win Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. But Michigan is a big, big state. And the problem for him with Michigan is it has the highest Muslim population in America. There are around 200,000 um, registered voters in Michigan who are Muslim. There are about 500,000 residents in total who identify as um, North African or Middle Eastern or uh, who have connections to the Middle East. Uh, now, they are really unhappy with the way that he has been handling the Israeli, the, the Israel's prosecution of the war in Gaza, and we've seen the images. Everybody has seen them, and an increasing number of Democrats, um, you know, progressive Democrats, but also moderate Democrats, are saying this is wrong. This is wrong. What's happening here? And we cannot keep just looking the other way. Biden has been saying, and we, you know, there are briefings. There are two or three briefings every week that we can all um, join in on: national security briefings, Department of State briefings, and they keep saying, "Look, we're working behind the scenes." 
scenes and more or less saying you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. We're pushing for ceasefires. We're making progress. Well, so far we haven't seen a whole lot of progress. So for Biden to say there will be probably a ceasefire announced in the next week, I think would be a huge relief to everyone, not least the Democratic Party. The governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, who's extremely competent and capable, uh, she's one of Biden's co-chairs. She more or less said, well, look, you know, if people want to vote uncommitted, we're not going to stop them. They have a right to express their concerns. And she was almost softening the ground to say, we don't, you know, we do expect Biden to take a dent here uh, in, in this primary, but he's, he will still win it handily. But it is a sign um, that he could be in trouble in Michigan. And if he's in trouble in Michigan, he's in trouble in November. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of talk over the weekend and speculation around Michelle Obama perhaps being the person, the only person who could run for the Democrats, if not Biden. Is that uh, just no. wishful thinking on the part of some Democrats? I, honestly, it's not just wishful, it's delusional. It's just, it's never going to happen. Without being glib, I would say there's probably a better chance of me running for the Democratic nomination. Right. Uh, because she, Michelle Obama has never been interested in politics. She has always made that clear. If you look at the life that she and Barack Obama are leading now, and indeed Barack Obama has been the subject of some criticism that he has become so detached from politics as a former president that he isn't really, you know, a lot of people think that he's not doing enough for democracy, to promote the cause of democracy, even if he doesn't want to be involved in the, in the Biden camp, so to speak. Uh, but they are far, far removed from politics now. Uh, and the thing is that I don't think people who, who are saying these things realise what an enormous ship it is to turn around. You know, Joe Biden is the nominee, whether Democrats like it or not. You may have seen or heard uh, Gavin Newsom, whoever you thought was just gagging for a chance to run as president, you know, coming out in the Sunday shows and being really emphatic about Joe Biden is running and his record is terrific and I don't know what's wrong with everybody and why you can't all just spread the good news and explain what he's been doing rather than fixating on his age. I suspect what Newsom is doing is he's, he's getting himself ready for 2028. And, you know, if something did happen to Biden tomorrow, then the Democratic, the DNC would probably transfer their funds and their support. They would have to, to another candidate. But there is no way Biden is stepping down unless something, unless there is, a, I would say, a medical emergency of some kind. And, uh, you know, so I think that this talk about Michelle Obama and various other people, that ship has sailed. And Mm -hmm. in fact, that ship was never seaworthy in the first place. Yeah, it's just, I suppose, when you mention vulnerabilities in in Michigan, like that's a very worrying place for them to be facing the might of Donald Trump. Yeah, and you know, Claire, it's not even the, the, these two hundred thousand registered um, voters who, who who are Muslim and who are really concerned, as are, and it's not just the Muslim community. It's it's there are uh, young Americans are are really upset with how Biden's handling this. A lot of people are very upset about this, uh, but um, he. You know, as I say, he won Michigan by about 154,000 votes in 2020, which Hillary Clinton lost by about 12,000. This is the narrowest of swing states always. Uh, And he really does need to win it. Now, people, as I say, these groups are not going to go vote for Donald Trump, but they might stay at home. And if they stay at home, Biden cannot afford that margin. He just simply cannot afford it. Now, the other thing I should say is that we saw that uh, Donald Trump in... uh, 
South Carolina. I'm not quite clear why people were saying it was a rout, it was a landslide. To me, if I were Trump, I would be quite worried because the fact that uh, Nikki Haley, who has no game, no money anymore, no nothing, still managed to take 40% of the vote almost, that is not a good showing for Donald Trump, no matter how you try to dress it up. And I think now the Republican, as I said, they in in um, Michigan, they're in absolute chaos. They've got two dueling caucuses going on and a primary. Nobody knows what's going on there. But again, you know, Donald Trump, we, we will see how he does. It's it's really not good news for the Republicans that Donald Trump, who is supposed to be the de facto incumbent, who a lot of Demo- uh, Republicans believe actually won in 2020, uh, that Nikki Haley is taking such a chunk of his vote and even though she's definitely going to lose a lot of people in exit polls who are coming out are saying they're not going to vote for Trump mm-hmm. a lot of Haley supporters are saying they won't vote for him You say she lost her funding this was after South Carolina wasn't it that her major yeah, backer right, the brothers said, yeah. Yeah. So what mm-hmm. does that mean for her? Can she keep going? You know, she can keep limping along. A lot of the money is spent on, um, t- you know, the big money goes on TV ads. That's where the super PACs spend all their money, TV ads, big campaigns on social media, all that kind of thing. Uh, basically, if she just wants to get on her bus and go to Michigan and turn up at a few parish halls or whatever, it's not going to cost her a lot of money to keep this going until Super Tuesday. And there seems to be almost, what I'm sensing in talking to people, a grudging kind of God, she's kind of plucky, isn't she? You know, that she really is going this on her own. She doesn't have a single supporter in Congress. Not one single Republican on Capitol Hill has stood up and said, not even the guys like Mitch McConnell, who loathes Trump and absolutely, you know, everybody knows they despise them. But she has got no backing. The only politician of prominence who has come out and said, you go, Nikki, uh, is Chris Nunu in New Hampshire. And he's so popular, he can say pretty well whatever he wants up there and nobody cares. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, I, th- I think that there is, as I say, a kind of a grudging admiration for her tenacity and for her willingness to just keep taking the flack and to keep going. But it's not going to, at the end of the day, she's out. If she stays in until Super Tuesday, it will be, you know, a token. It'll be a token presence. And, and Trump is well on, on um, track to get the, the 1,215 delegates he needs by probably after Super Tuesday or secondly, the second or third week in March. Okay, so Marion, separately, I'd like to talk to you about this major legal decision in Alabama and that is likely to have profound consequences for anyone who's about to start IVF treatment. Will you talk us through it? Yeah, um, you know, this is, I think, a really heartbreaking decision that was made in Alabama. And it's not just for people who are about to have IVF. I think the most distressing um, aspect of it is for people who are in the middle of treatment at the moment in Alabama. Basically, there's been this um, movement in America, for want of a better word, in red states called the personhood movement. And that movement um, has, as its animating principle, it says that life starts at conception and that from the moment of conception whether it's you know an, an embryo no matter what that it any life should have all the same rights at conception as a child has as any living person does who whether they're a day old a week old or 50 years old uh, and as I say they tried to pass laws about that in Arizona about a year ago didn't quite get there but a lot of states are pushing for that and they saw the overturning of Roe v Wade as giving them more momentum 
Now, this judge in Alabama, who has very strong connections uh, to a white Christian, a very far-right white Christian nationalist movement, uh, brought gave down this decision, and he said in this decision that an embryo is basically a child, and it has all the same rights as a child, and that therefore, if you are creating embryos, you cannot destroy embryos. If you don't, if you, like for a couple who decides, or a person who decides to have IVF, if they don't use all of the, the, the embryos, that they cannot be destroyed because they have the same rights as children. Now, this case came about in kind of bizarre circumstances because what happened was a patient at a clinic in Alabama wandered into a, an area where, where the embryos were being stored and uh, dropped picked some up apparently and accidentally dropped them and broke three of them and it was the the um, owners of those embryos who then sued and the case was dismissed by the lower court who said no sorry and then it was on appeal this judge got and he said absolutely you have a right here these embryos are children and so any wrongful they would have so a wrongful death lawsuit could be brought uh, that any you know and so of course the um, clinics are now going my god we can't afford this liability we can't afford for this to happen and then what happens if a couple decides that they want the embryos destroyed, that they don't want to proceed with IVF, let's say there's a divorce or something, or a couple goes their separate ways, or maybe the woman discovers she has an illness, and then these embryos now apparently can no longer be destroyed, and now there's an issue about whether they can even be taken out of state, or, you know, so the law, again, this is one of the unforeseens of the Roe v. Wade situation. It's causing heartbreak, because what's happened now in three clinics, at least in Alabama, is they're saying we're just stopping all treatment right mm-hmm. now. That's it. And so even if you were halfway through your treatment, your IVF treatment, no matter where you were, it means that you now have to just stop. And no matter what money you invested, the emotional investment, it's it's really heartbreaking. Also, about 2% of live births in America are now as a result of IVF. This is an issue that, again, will play in the election because it's something I think that many people who are desperate for children feel very, very strongly about. And the lack of understanding um, amongst, you may have seen Tommy Tomerville, Tomerville the Alabama senator, who, who clearly didn't have a clue what it even meant and said, yes, yes, everybody needs to have more children, have more children, not even understanding that this was stopping people from having children who desperately want So are other red states then, other conservative states, paying attention to this and trying to find ways to enact this law where they are? Well, I think that what's happening is, again, it goes back to this personhood thing that other states are now thinking, well, look, this is this is a score for us. This is a, a, a critical first step to get these personhood statutes on the books that say, as I said, from day one of conception, that the same rights are accorded as are to any living person. And it, it just seems like a very unworkable and, and just a legal nightmare for everyone involved. And again, as I say, it goes back to the Roe v. Wade overturning and that, you know, these are consequences that probably weren't foreseen at the time. But you can be sure in an election year that they will be milked for all their worth uh, by the Democrats who, who are looking for every opportunity they can get to hammer Republicans over the head on this. Marion, thank you very much once again for your time. Marion McKeown thank there you, from Claire. The Business Post. Thank you, Marion. Text 51551 Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1.